0: Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. Please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to if you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about composting. Hi, welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. This is episode number 21 with Miguel from Cowboy Compost located in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Miguel is um, his backdrop right now on Zoom is the symphony orchestra and Miguel I just wanted I I, you told me earlier that that's your main profession and that composting is something else you do if you could just talk a little bit about your background and how you started cowboy compost
1: yes hi Charlie thank you for having me in your podcast so I refer to myself as a normal citizen you know we have lived me and my wife have lived in various parts of the US and overseas. I'm originally from Peru and my wife is from Chile. So in the last 20 years, we moved to Fort Worth where I was recruited to be the music director of the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. So great community, our our three children were born there. And so they are Texans or they are Chiruvians as they call themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. Chilean and Peruvian parents. But anyway, Fort Worth grew. In every possible sense, and one of them was population. As a matter of fact, it's still one of the within the top maybe twelve cities of sort of growing numbers in the country. But with that also comes other issues that have to do with with sustainability of cities, you know, such as water and traffic and certainly waste. And now, I've lived in countries like New Zealand and I've worked in Norway, where the concept of zero waste has been there for decades. Because when you don't have more land, to abuse or to dispose of, then you start learning that your local environment becomes very, very important on the long run. So I started reading that because of growth of population, the only one landfill in Fort Worth, which was built in the early 70s, still had another... 30, 40 years of lifespan, but because of the growth in population and, well, not only that, I suppose, easy, easier ways to produce waste, more convenient to produce waste. So that landfill was filling up at enormous speed. So that's a ticking bomb and it's still to this day. So it just puzzled me as a citizen. So I was involved with city council, with the mayor, and others to, to learn more. So I visited the landfill, discussed things with, learn more. So before I would have an opinion, I wanted to know more. So in the bottom line is as follows, that diverting things from the landfill in Fort Worth is not practical or financially enticing. Only the residences, and actually I think only homes, as in houses rather than multi-dwelling complexes, Only homes recycle, for example.
0: Right.
1: So everybody else,
0: single
1: family, right? So beyond that, every business, restaurant, school, churches, they don't have to. So can you imagine? It's just so easy to not have to do it, Mm -hmm. and so not expensive to create trash. So all the conditions are there to just create more waste going into the landfill. So, in Obviously, there are recycling companies, but it's up to the individual or company to want to hire and do the extra effort to be more responsible for their waste output. But there was not one single company in the city that handled composting. Mulching, yes, the city does mulching. There are some others that obviously do trimmings and things like that. So first, I approached the closest to us a couple of companies in Dallas, but that's, you know, 40 miles, 40 to 50 miles away. And that's not practical. You, know, you don't want to be moving this around too much. And so, yeah, I decided with a friend of mine who was a business person from TCU, can we look into this? So we started doing a pilot project with members of the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra staff and their families. So, you know, we had over 100 households to start getting data. So I went to City Hall. Uh, City council, sorry, and to ask, can I do this? Can and they uh, they gave me the green light. So get us data, and really the data was not so much the waste output, which we know everywhere. Organic waste is it's a huge percentage of waste.
0: Yeah, I think, it's but it was more about, behavior. It's yeah. about two pounds a day per person in this country, something like that. But bottom line, the data
1: to me was about awareness, because really. The facts, sure, can change but if people don't understand why it happens. So since I'm a person that performs you know in front of crowds and this I'm, I'm a public person, I thought maybe that's my strength in getting the awareness, the message, the why this should happen and my business partner, Johanna Calderon would look into how do we put this together. Mm-hmm. And there it was. So since there was no other option of who can do this well, after the pilot project, or a few months, then we just,
0: let's do it. And how long ago did you start uh, Cowboy Compost as an organization? It's about five years. Oh, it. okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, That's great and... timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando, where I live, is, you know, up into the last few years, recycling wasn't mandatory for anyone but single family homes as well. And now in Orange County Unincorporated, it's still not uh, mandatory, but, um, and, you know, that's why I got into the business. Same reason is there wasn't a solution for organic waste, which, you know, ironically makes up like 40, 50% of what's going to the landfill. And a lot of times, uh, you know, when these landfill engineers are forecasting the life of the landfill you know it's not really an accurate science because you could be in a, a a place like fort worth or dallas where the population is just increasing at an increasing rate so that's interesting so i wanted to um ask you know, your, your drop-off program seems to be highly successful. And, you know, you have over 1,200 participants. If you could talk a little bit about that drop-off program and maybe the other services that Cowboy Compost uh, does. But, I, you know, the reason I want to highlight the drop-off program, you're actually in partnership with the city of Fort Worth. Yes, exactly. So how, how it started, I have to backtrack a little bit.
1: So the city of Fort Worth didn't have a solid waste plan, period. So, I mean, there were some guidelines, obviously, but there were only two kinds of waste, waste and recycling. Mm-hmm. So organic matter didn't even exist. in the, It wasn't a term. It was just waste. Because it 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 wouldn't be couldn't be considered recycling, even though ironically we know that that's more recycling rather than downcycling. But anyway, so there was a lot of citizens' effort to bring this to the city. If if they are saying that the excess of waste is an issue, well, let's do something together. So the city created a twenty-year solid waste plan. The percentages and the goals. You know, are arguable whether they are ambitious or not ambitious enough to reduce waste? Fine. But the key point is that now organic recycling was the third term to channel waste. So that to me then became the point of now that you have it, well, how are you going to address this? And obviously, you cannot go from no organic recycling. And obviously, the ones that do it in their backyards—that's a no-brainer because they do it in their backyard. But that also limits, you know, to pills and and, right. and, and so forth. So rather than post-consumer food, and so they they got some grants. This is this is over, you know, several months, year plus, and they they created. You know, there was an RFP to create. A pilot program in drop-off stations for composting, and this was all very, very simply done. That the city was going to put ten, fifteen, depending, you know, big bins where people can just, you know, bring their
0: so 10, 15
1: fifteen drop-off points around the that's, city. That's where it started. Yes, you yeah. know, and uh, so we actually, we actually bid and we won. And it has been extended now for for a few years. Now, it's in small scale in the sense that we're not talking about truck because that's the hard part of, of, as you know, is composting is the contamination. It's much more fragile. But people that compost are pay more attention because they actually know what they are doing or want to know more, right? Unlike recycling that right now, it's so complicated with, you know, when you say just put everything, you know, Yeah, we'll sort it out, you know, mechanically. You don't worry, but that's not really right either because there's a lot of stuff that cannot be recycled. But anyway, but at least because I was putting attention to the awareness, you know, if you do this, please do it well because if you don't do it well, really, it's it's more of a problem. So that's how it started. And And we started analyzing little by little how far people would have to either walk, drive, or stuff like that.
0: And for those participants um, that are composting with you um, and dropping off their food scraps, is it like an opt-in program? Like, is there a fee for them? Right. First of all,
1: technically they're not working with Cowboy Compost. They're just doing this with the city and the city hires us. The, The city has an initiation fee, which is really to buy your bucket. Mm-hmm. In a countertop type bucket. And if I'm not mistaken, it it is or it was $20 and that's it. From then on, is paid by the city. Oh, so okay. right. And it was a bit cumbersome at the beginning, like you have to call or you have to go and pick up, you have to write a check. I mean, when right now everything is you know through apps and things like that, but still it it worked. And there are people that are very faithful. As a matter of fact, we had some clients switch from residential pickup. To that, which in terms is fine, because th- the whole point is that you keep doing it. You know, eventually we'll have to find a balance because you cannot compete with free, but it's not really free because we're getting hired too. So to you pay. do
0: have a residential pickup service. Mm-hmm. And how much uh, d- is that costing a resident per month?
1: Right now it's per week, since the oh, month okay. is hard to, hard to measure because there's some months that have you know more weeks than others and if I'm not mistaken it's a $7.50 a week $7.50 a week and up to gotcha. a certain amount and you can get a second one or you know we have different sizes that you can have and you just put it out on the curb or your driveway and it gets picked up
0: but of those um 1200 drop-off mm-hmm. subscribers they're all like people who want to be composting and I would assume the contamination is pretty low. You know, it's probably not, it probably does exist. But um, what is like the main thing you see for contamination that your drivers see? Stickers and <laughs> yeah. rubber bands in the, in the twist ties. you know, that
1: we see everywhere because they're nearly invisible at times. So when If you don't remember to get them out as soon as you get them, Mm-hmm. As soon as you put your produce in your, you know, in your kitchen or the fridge, I think it's prone to become an accident right there. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, hey, that's proof that these are vegetables and fruits because, <laughs> rather yeah. than, than just dirt. So I would say that I think there's an occasional miscon- misconception of compostable items. biodegradable versus compostable and you know stuff like that so we try to keep it as simple as possible but you know occasionally you may find a starbucks cup starbucks cup maybe without the sticker but then it's still questionable whether the wax lining it's it's you know yeah i just got that
0: question today from one of our subscribers a starbucks cup and even though it's a paper cup it's the wax or plastic poly lining Mm -hmm. which just doesn't break down, but that's right. very interesting. Your situation with the city—it sounds like you went to city council meetings. Mm-hmm. You started with a free pilot program with a hundred right. plus mm-hmm. uh, of your coworkers, which you mm-hmm. know anyone can do that if you know they work in an office and they see themselves transitioning towards starting a community composting organization. That's a great way to start. Um, And then you guys are kind of like, you know, you're not the ones taking credit for the program, but you are the one doing the work for the pickup. And do you have, do you guys do the processing of the food scraps or do you haul it to a facility?
1: We partner with a couple of facilities where we have our piles as well. And one, some are generic because we also have our subscribers, the ones that subscribe directly to Cowboy Compost, be it a, res- a residence or a school cafeteria, or we have helped churches reduce waste as well. You know, some of them didn't know that they were paying a thousand dollars a month for a dumpster, because why would they know? I mean, these things are there forever, right? right. So in our subscribers get compost back, so they get their bag now and then. I forget now if it's once a year or twice a year, and they can order more. And it has been proven to be actually quite a good product. And it hasn't been at the scale of trying to go, you know, beyond our subscribers because that's part of the sustain- sustainability of circular. You know, if you produce more than you can handle, then why are you doing it? If you cannot move it, but in any case, if you hold compost, it's not it's not harmful to anything. Mm-hmm. If anything, it can hold you know heat and things like that
0: so you partner with a couple of composting facilities and they do the the operation of turning it from food scraps into finished compost but then right what is your arrangement like with them like how, how much do they give back to you in the form of finished compost for your subscribers and are you paying any tipping fees for dropping right. off stuff like that yes
1: yes we, we have we have i mean at first it, it was incredible because most of these businesses knew me as the symphony conductor.
0: <laughs>
1: and at first, they were a bit puzzled. Like, is that you, you? I said, what do you mean you? And that's just me. Well, like you, the conductor, because we went to the symphony and that must be you, right? Mm-hmm. So at first, even they had to get certified to do organic matter. And they were very willing to look into this. So At the beginning, everybody helped us very much and said, you know, just make sure that at one point we can sustain your business too. So over time, you know, we we created a balanced system of fees. You know, you you pay what's fair. Obviously, you know, you want you never want to abuse a partnership. So I, right now, again, since I'm not the business person, Johanna can give you probably all these numbers, or or Pete, our operations manager, but but the idea is yes, we we pay the fees that they would normally pay, but then we have our our, our plot, you know. And then we end up buying some of the bag, but to a mm-hmm. much, because there's, there's the labor, you know.
0: Right, there is the labor the of processing it sure. and the fuel Absolutely. and stuff. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, otherwise it wouldn't be valued, you know, properly.
0: That's interesting. So your full-time job though, remains the symphony orchestra of Fort Worth Symphony? Well, I just finished my 20 year tenure Oh. In
1: Fort Worth. And right now I'm teaching orchestral conducting at the University of Nebraska in Omaha, but I am still living in Fort Worth. So I come and go. And I have a few guest engagements here and there, you know, with the Minnesota Opera, Indianapolis Symphony, and you know, LA and Philharmonic. So
0: and, uh, does Yolanda, she runs the company primarily? and
1: It's uh, Johanna, sorry. Yes, Johanna no, does. And, yeah, Johanna and Pete. Pete Smith is our operations manager he's the one who knows the inside out of every movement you
0: know? awesome and mm-hmm. since starting the company about five years ago it, it is a for-profit company correct
1: yes okay yes. and That's how has, to be seen
0: <laughs> how has the growth been in the last five years i mean it sounds pretty decent if you can hire an operations manager and you have so many drop-off participants but hopefully the city is, um, you know, paying you a, f- a fair number for, for that, uh, that work you're doing. Right. We also have some other companies,
1: I mean, to get to your question, mm-hmm. that need to have their seal of approval of sustainability, right? So, so there are a few Starbucks places and Chipotle and Farmer Brothers that, you know, dispose of their back of the house, coffee chaffs and things like that. Responsibly, so we also have that type of business. Now, last year, like everywhere, everywhere, anywhere, you know, we were hit very much by COVID, and most of our clients, such as restaurants, schools, that was huge part of the income, they just closed. They just closed, Mm -hmm. and simply, you know, it's nothing we we can do about it. So we're in recovery recovery mode. So the fact that we are still opening the doors every day to our Employees, it's a, it's a hopeful sign to me. Yeah. I, I yet have to learn still more or partner with more people that can see this grow beyond, you know, my limits as, an, as a performing artist. But I'm always in a person of learning what I don't know and, and then obviously know my limitations.
0: And in these five years, you know, where for Worth literally didn't have a definition for. Uh, what you can do with organic waste for food waste recycling, have you noticed that the culture is changing in the city where people are thinking twice about just trashing their their food scraps? I want to think so. I mean, it's it's hard
1: to know because we're nearly a million citizens in Fort Worth itself. But I want to think that, yes, because I, I started noticing that people pay more attention to Oh, this is a look like plastic cup, but it's made out of, you know, corn variant. You know, they don't know how to explain it, but they know it's made out of a plant or bamboo. Yeah. Bagasse or something. So at least I, I, I hear that more that it's visibly in front of them. You know, what people don't know is what happens. It's like garbage. A lot of people don't have any clue what happens when you put. Your garbage in that garbage bin, even in your room, it's like magically gone. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the same as sewage and water supply. I and mean, do we actually know? Does everybody know where your water comes from, or where it goes and how it goes? I, I find it almost fundamental. I used to give a talk, and one, once it was on a, a local TED talk called "One Thing in Common," and the talk was about music, you know, because that that was my my strength. And I said. We all humans have music in common. It doesn't matter what kind of music, but music. And then over time, I learned that that's actually not true because there are some people that enjoy silence or the sounds of nature much more than music and they don't really necessarily enjoy music. And there are people that may be you know, hearing impaired that you cannot say music mm-hmm. is. So I changed my, my talk over time mm-hmm. and I said, still was called one thing in common. And I said, well, I wish... The music was the one thing that we all humans have in common. But the one thing that for sure we all humans have in common is garbage. There's no escape. Whether, yeah, you know, I mean, baby born. I mean, to like, yep, we produce waste. So we just have to be responsible about it. But we all produce. So that's what we have in common.
0: Yeah. It, um, unfortunately, in today's society, trash is one thing we definitely all have in common. I know a lot of community composters will agree that trash is a man-made concept. If you think, you know, prior to, you know, the industrial age and um, where all these really new materials came out around World War II and post-World War II. Um, But I think, you know, we're, we're far enough along now where we need to like, Responsibly figure out ways to manage these materials. And, you know, I don't think we're moving away from plastic as a country anytime soon, but hopefully we can be moving away from single use plastic. And, you know, I am not a big fan of all the biodegradable plastics that claim that they're compostable because. You know, I think it's a bit of a scapegoat in my own opinion. But yeah, I think the single
1: use is the biggest, the biggest sort of action that we can address, as as every individual can do. For instance, regarding transportation, okay, if it's a question of, well, you know, if you can reduce emissions by switching to an electric car, well, I don't have a car, I mean, somebody can say, I don't have a car, I'm a pedestrian, I bike. Oh, great. So now I don't have a, a way to help further because I cannot help you with that particular issue. So, but with garbage, I think everybody can help. One little action at a time accumulates very much. I mean, there have been so many cartoons, you know, of the dolphin walking into a, a cashback place with, with a plastic bottle and said, how much for this? Oh. Three cents. Oh, great. I have 20 billion outside. <laughs> yeah. You know. But regarding garbage, I came across, I think it was in Yellowstone. I, I can tell for sure. A sign that said, animals don't leave trash. Please behave like an animal.
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, when you're hiking, the kind of rule, the Boy Scout, Boy Scout rule of thumb is... You know, leave no trace. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're even if you have to go to the bathroom, you know, dig a hole and bury yeah. it. So sure, absolutely. So
1: I think the the convenience or the inconvenience is what has led to yeah to this issue as well. Yeah, you know, it's just not convenient. It's like drive-throughs are great if it's convenient, but then on the other hand, you know, it's how you want to see things. But I I think that one of the biggest thing is that the thing uh, this is so convenient. I mean, comes in and goes and, and disappears.
0: That's ironic because I mean we market our service as very convenient. I think a lot of other community composters who are seeing their numbers of participants grow because America is a very convenience based society. But do you think we're getting too deep over our heads if we are making our service too convenient you think we can go too far and making you know food scrap pickup too convenient for folks
1: I don't think it'll be too convenient ever I mean for that matter of fact if you want some inconvenience to the convenience you would compost it yourself and Correct. obviously you'll be you'll be limited and that's how I was I composted myself until you realize that actually it's a lot more convenient to subscribe to my own company honestly because when you have your know, children a dog and I'm traveling all the time and you're given instructions on you know how to turn things over FaceTime, and they, that's not convenient but I don't really have a way out because what if you live in an apartment however in Japan people can post in their apartments you know there's, yeah. there's way there are always ways to do it so I like the idea of convenient for the good reason rather mm-hmm. than convenient for the just for the convenience of it, regardless of the outcome. So, I don't have anything against about convenience or about anything in general. Yeah. Why, make, why make it
0: complicated to start with? As you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the aerated static pile microbin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae, making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website, www o2compost.com. That's the letter O, the number two, compost.com. If you mentioned that you heard about O2 Compost on this podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount on the purchase of the MicroBin Compost Training Program. And I noticed that Cowboy Compost, you guys are in a partnership with EcoSafe, uh, one of the Mm-hmm. You know, compostable liner and product manufacturers that only services North America, we use them as well. And, you know, there is this is a kind of a contentious issue among community composters, whether to use a compostable liner or not for your pickup service. Um, What do you guys do and why do you think that partnering with a a product like EcoSafe products uh, is a good move? Well, at first, before
1: we, we introduce them, introduce the liners, we would wash containers. And the washing, I mean, that's also a lot of waste. Going there, yeah. you know, when you have to wash containers. So what, what we're doing is we're giving some responsibility to the person, you know, keep your bucket, you clean it up, and we'll just take the content with the liner. So it was for for that. Now, when we have bigger containers, I mean up to 72 gallons, we, we don't do you know dumpsters. Those are just nearly impossible to, to inspect for contamination, except when you only know that it is, you know, coffee chaff. Right. right? So when there's one product. But otherwise, we don't. So, in those cases, we we wash. We have a washing station to figure out how to you know reuse and be efficient about about that as well. So it, it has helped. It helped both ourselves and and the customer. because also the washing is time consuming and it then costs because then you have to move things back and forth. So the liners are fairly recent, I mean, within the last you know, couple of years, few years.
0: Okay. And are you still for your pickup service? Um are, you're just taking you're just dumping out the contents with the liner. You're not necessarily swapping the container. No, not anymore. That's how we okay. we started, but it was really very costly
1: and it yeah. wasn't efficient. So we just give them a liner. Yeah. Or we give them the liners ahead of time or at a time something like that.
0: Okay, interesting. Um I guess um, my next question is more from an entrepreneur's perspective. And when you guys, you know, won that RFP, you won the the city contract to start uh, the drop-off service. Is that when you guys really stepped on the gas pedal? And where did you guys get the capital to buy the vehicles and, you know, hire the drivers And, you know, like, what was that beginning process like for Cowboy Compost?
1: Well, you're referring to the the point of there's no return, right? This is You only go forward. We didn't borrow. We didn't have investors because I also didn't want to have something that hadn't existed before. So how do you prove it to anybody, right? Oh, this is a great idea, but yeah, great, fine. It doesn't work. There's no proof of it. So it was self-funded with our own. And in our own funds, and little by little, yes, of course, there are some loans that you take, but nothing that it would, you know, for which I would have to sell my house or or things like that. So it just, it was slow and cautious in a certain way. And then whenever, for instance, the coffee shop from, you know, Farmer Brothers would, then you need massive containers. So I said, okay, if we get a commitment of this amount of years versus this then we can make a decision that okay so we're we're going to invest through a loan to buy equipment and stuff like that because you have a contract attached to it or partially
0: right. mm-hmm. yeah so those like would you say that most of your revenue comes from the commercial side commercial yes. collection okay. yes
1: if, well even though you can say between the city and subscribers that's that's mounting out as individuals in a certain right. way yeah, so it depends how you consider the city. Yes, it's commercial, but really the the participants are you know individuals. Right.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, and that's why it's good not to have all your eggs in one basket in case something comes along like a pandemic, and there goes your commercial side at least temporarily. You want to be able to support uh, with the residential side, and that's what. Yeah everyone in the waste industry has experiences more people you know are staying at home they're generating more food scraps at home and you know we have we're still waiting on some of our office clients to come back so that's kind of a bummer but so have you
1: ever have you ever dealt with one thing that fascinates me is the pizza cartons right because pizza cartons actually are great for composting because of the, the browns, right? Mm-hmm. And I have this this idea or this vision or this crazy thought that how can we measure, for instance, like a mm-hmm. Super Bowl night, day, how many pizza cartons are put out there in the whole country, you know, or can you pile them up to imagine, does it you know, go as high as <laughs> a particular building? But if you think about it, it's just a pizza carton, yeah, multiplied by billions, And it's a fantastic component for composting because you already have your soil, but you actually have the browns that then, if you only have organic matter, then you have a problem because you need to have, you know, your your, your browns,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the recyclers say that you should tear off the lid of the pizza carton, recycle that cardboard, but then the bottom is usually greasy. So it's perfect for composting. We take it in, in our program. We just ask yeah, yeah. our residents to tear it up. You know, right. it, it breaks sure. down Chopper. a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. But yeah, I mean, that's a key bit of packaging in this country. Anywhere around the world, pizza is eaten. So yeah. yeah. And as far as I know, there are no
1: plastic liners on, in pizza cartons so far or thus far. Because you can see the grease yeah. sitting on it. So it, otherwise, it would be sliding away.
0: Yeah. I know sometimes uh, pizza pickup places put like the little plastic like fork or like the three. Yes. Oh, God. Stool, yes. Like the little yes. plastic stool in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's but... the avoid
0: crushing the pizza. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. But anyway, you look for those things, too.
0: Yeah. It's um, incredible
1: what the eye gets used to, you know, when you see a pizza garden that your eye almost will find it. Or when you see bunched vegetables, you know, you're looking for the twist eye.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's interesting how, uh, you know, you cross that threshold of no return, which I think any community composter uh, eventually faces. And, um, you know, what is your involvement now like with the company as you work you know, your, your new job teaching uh, symphony orchestra? Well, my main
1: position is like, we're having this conversation, I'm the spokesperson. I'm not the spokesperson, but I'm the most outspoken person <laughs> about what we do. And there's never a missed chance. I mean, for instance, I was very fortunate to be awarded by Sister Cities sort of the global impact award and i don't even know why but sure at least it brings up the conversation Mm -hmm. and the more i can do that since I, i have a very very wide network of colleagues and students all over the world really this always comes up in wherever i am so things bounce back to my point of origin in this case fort worth texas and i hope that it just the more you talk about it the more you bring awareness the less you ask or tell people what to do, but the more you put it up front, the more it can be visible and understood that this is not a burden, or this is not about trying to be reactionary or revolutionary or, you know, a complaint about anything. This is just how it was before. And why couldn't it continue being so?
0: So you're kind of the the educator and publicist of Cowboy Compost
1: in a certain way yes
0: yeah that's that's great you know that's what i want my title to be in the future is educator um because that is such a huge component and uh, eventually i consider myself more of a visionary than like wanting to get in overly involved in the day-to-day operations Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: so you know uh, eventually you know you gotta step back and kind of be there someone's got to be there to talk with the city and the leadership in the community you're in and just push for composting as a you know as a, a topic that needs that attention you know I mean I feel like just like any environmental issue composting needs like a lot of care and publicity we're always trying to make you know, um, new YouTube videos, and by the way, like I saw on your website, your guys' uh, YouTube, your videos where you teach mm-hmm. about your program—they're very professional. I mean, h- how did you get those done? <laughs> those were the most domestic done videos. <laughs> they're yeah. great,
1: I think. Yeah, I mean, wonderful. that's in my house, in my backyard, in Johanna's place. We just also because they need to look normal, like anybody can do this
0: yeah cool well um i think i just have one more question and that you know you sound like you have a relationship with city council fort worth and uh you know what is one thing that you would bring up as far as sustainability that the city of fort worth needs to focus on or what how could they improve that drop-off program you know, when your current contract expires, how could they do it better the next time? Well, the idea
1: could be to make like cities of Austin, Texas, have a curbside pickup by the city. Now that's massive operations, but I think that's also you have to opt in. So you don't have to
0: do it. So I think it's... You mean like residents have to opt in? I think so, but compost yes
1: yes yeah. because i have friends that moved from fort worth to austin and they were clients of cowboy compost and i said yeah we do it here through the city but you have to make sure you sign up for it it's mm. already you know, taken taken care of so in a certain way if you don't use it you're you're paying for it regardless
0: mm.
1: right so i think then the next thing to me is is really to bring the issue at hand that we have a ticking bomb when our landfill fills up sure texas is big but then you have to go i don't know a couple hundred miles away at least to to find 200 acres 300 acres to build a landfill to do this which costs millions of whose money right taxpayers money money, right exactly then the monthly expenses are going to go exponentially high so i think if people Connect the dots. This is going to hit your pocket sooner rather than later, and hopefully never. That's, but people don't want to bring this up because it's a bit scary. Sure, it's scary. I can see that because it will happen. I mean, the mathematics doesn't lie. You add more people, you add more more trash. The city officially is saying that we have reduced to one, I don't know, one fifth of the lifespan of the landfill. I mean, that's that's around the corner yeah the city the um, the layout of the city has made it so that it has grown I mean the landfill used to be outside the city you know and right now it's in the middle of the city because the city has surrounded it
0: Wow. so
1: yeah where are you going to build the landfill that people want to live you know next to
0: yeah and that's I've been noticing that's happening here in Orange County we have a massive landfill site like 80 acres they you know probably bought that long ago when uh land was cheap but they're like they say they have 70 more years for the landfill and you know they have all this land that they can just keep building new cells Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: keep expanding the landfill but the city is growing population-wise so fast that you know, developers are building like communities right next to the landfill where it it smells like methane, and uh, it it's only gonna bring in a flood of complaints and you know trucks driving by. Yeah, well, in, I, fi-
1: in fires too. I mean, if it's not well attended, there's always chance right. of fire.
0: But I think that's how you speak. Um, the city council or the county commissioners' language is. You talk about the lifespan of the their landfill, or you know the public money that's going to the incinerator if you live in a, a, a community with that's using incineration. But um, you know, organic waste being such a significant portion of what's of that volume that's filling up the disposal site, you know, you gotta look at your other options to manage that material more sustainably so you know is that on your um, your near-term list is to go to another meeting and you know bring that up as like a public citizen during like the comment session or how do you plan on approaching that yes
1: doing that also at town hall meetings you know casual meetings with neighbors the city city hall just had a uh, turnover. You know, we have a new mayor. We actually the longest mayor serving Fort Worth, Betsy Price, for five terms, which is great. And she's now running for county judge. And she lived actually across my house b- before she was mayor, so we knew each other. And e- even though the the mayor manages people, right? Not necessarily the mayor can do everything the mayor wants to. So even within 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 the city council, everybody has a different district. So we have encountered people that say under no circumstances compost in my zoning. It's like, you know, oh, wow. because when well you never know. And then sometimes it's because people may not know what they're talking about. Right. And there was this one city council I remember a member of City Council a few years back who had a who was part of a town hall debate with this sitting member. And we could put questions forward and I wrote them in a card, you know, they just bring it and maybe your question gets picked up or not. And mine was the last one and said something along the lines of what can you tell us about the status of our landfill and the excess of waste in our city? So the, the sitting member gave me a pre-learn speech that probably had been used over and over and over and over and over and over. And then when it came to the, the new person, he said something like, oh, I'm embarrassed to not know enough, so whoever wrote the question, please contact me, and so I did, and he became actually the, the one who won a city council, because somebody said, really? How, how come I don't know this? And that impressed me, you know, and so that, that opened the door to at least have more conversations, and I think members of city council need to know these things, whether they have the, the power themselves. Sometimes it's not fair to say, you know, you all should be doing it because you're sitting there, but yeah, that's not how cities work. But they, they all these issues should be, brought, should be brought forth, particularly when the impact is across.
0: Do you do have any high profile political members in Fort Worth who are composting with uh, cowboy compost, whether pickup service or drop off?
1: I wouldn't know the drop-off because we don't know the names okay. and customers. So it won't surprise me. But I know that Anne Zeta, who was in city council until recently, was a you know fervent supporter and practicing of this, you know, coming from California, if I'm not mistaken, you know, it depends mm-hmm. where you come from. But I want to say that because you are from Texas, this doesn't work. No, on the contrary, i have met many, many Texans that you know are master composters through the botanic gardens and things like that
0: yeah that's awesome um yeah we're lucky in orlando florida that we have um a a state representative um, who's a subscriber the mayor of the city of orlando and um a couple you know sustainability directors of you know we service many municipalities so Mm -hmm. i think that's one way to gain some uh you know allies and uh start the conversation with within the city rather than be an outsider so
1: right that's a great idea
0: yeah well thank you so much Miguel this has been a pleasure uh to have you on the podcast and well thank you yeah it sounds like you guys are doing quite well down there in in Fort Worth well we want to hope so
1: and we wish everybody will continue giving us a chance to, to show what can be done by everybody's efforts.
0: Yeah. All right. We'll have a good evening.
1: Thank you, Charlie.
0: Bye bye. Bye. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's five to ten dollars a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling.